Hello, I am Barbara Kirk, and my talk today is about dealing with families. Uh, families, they are the gift that keeps on giving, sometimes in a good way and sometimes not so much. When they bless us, they give us a belonging place, they love us, they acknowledge us as valuable and as unique individuals, worthy of love and respect. We learn how to navigate the world in this way, to make our place in it, and we expect to belong, to be loved, and to be respected. We have a solid platform to launch from. When they don't do these things, we learn not to expect these things, and our behavior doesn't quite fit because we don't feel that we fit. We almost always reflect the patterns and the worldview we've experienced in our families. And it's not until we can look at it closely and kind of break it down that we, um, and have God's help with that, that we can actually put some of those things aside and accept the reality. Many, many of the difficulties that people bring with them to deal with in PR began long or even not so long ago in their families. So while it is great to help someone out with a single issue, and this is not a small thing, don't get me wrong, um, the family gives context to issues and patterns and distortions that may have been recognized by those who come for help, or maybe it's never really occurred to them um, that that's just like dad used to do or or somebody else. When I start talking about family with someone, I want to know a little about the parents and what the sibling birth order looks like, how did the family function. As we look at the roles within the family, I'm noticing who is at home, but maybe not really present for the kids. Maybe the dad and or mom who travels a lot or has a job who takes most of their time and energy. Maybe a parent has a drug or alcohol problem which makes them unavailable or an illness. The question is, how does the child perceive it? And who was there and paying attention so the child understood that they have a voice and that someone cares that they use it? Um, there's an umbrella structure to the family. Dad is uh, the head of household and has the greatest responsibility for those in the family. Uh, this is different from having power. The one who has the greatest responsibility has a position of servant leadership, not one of power that focuses on meeting his or her own needs. This is a position of having a longer view in which attention is paid to each member of the family, um, seeing that they have the support to receive what they need to thrive. I'm not focusing on material goods here, but this whole thing would get into a different discussion so I'm going to leave it at that. When a dad cannot or has not provided protection or provision, mom is next up in being responsible, then older siblings as protectors and role models as needed. Brothers have a greater responsibility with respect to sisters. Um, when a family is functioning in a healthy way, all of these individuals help each other and when one or more do not step into their responsibility, the weakest or youngest have to wrestle with things alone that they should have help with. So when we're looking at accusations, we look at responsibilities, things done and especially things not done. 
we are taking our person, who I'm going to refer to as the child, because at some point they were, um, and that's the relationship with the people that we're talking about. Um, we're taking them back to when they were dependent on their family. Um, this is when they were shaped and formed their worldview. As an adult, they usually relate differently to the parent. Both the parent and the child have changed, but the childhood situations have not changed. Um, and if they haven't been resolved, they need to be brought before our Heavenly Father for full resolution so the child can truly become who they were made to be. Scripture tells us to honor our mother and father. I'm asked about this over and over again. But what about honoring my father or mother? It's not dishonoring to either mother or father when we evaluate their performance in light of their position and how they've been responsible or not as parents. We must hold them accountable for their actions. They are worthy of being held accountable. If we don't hold them accountable for their unhealthy modeling, then we are condoning their actions and we allow those actions as acceptable for ourselves and for others. It's both respectful and honoring to hold people accountable. The one example that I sometimes use, which is not um, a clear cut easily, it's okay, it's from my days working in emergency departments. I'm working with a man who is drunk and not really controlling his responses. He um, reaches up from the cot, cot, cot and slugs me. I'm going to press assault charges on him. He is not out of his mind. He's not delirious. He's drunk. And he's accountable for that, and he is worthy to be accountable for that. On the other hand, if I'm working with a patient who is a quadriplegic and has um, hyper reflexes, and something I do starts one of his reflexes off and up comes his hand, and he ends up slugging me. It's not intentional. It's not something he could um, choose to do or not do. He doesn't have control over that body part. There is no question of an assault. There's a question of me needing to be quick enough to block it. Um, so that's some of the difference that we're looking at. Could he really not help it? Um, Many times people will come in and they'll tell me how their dad beat them. And then they'll say, well, his dad was drunk and beat him a lot too, so he doesn't know any better. I would say their dad knows every bit enough better because he knows exactly how it felt to have an angry, drunken father beat him. He has no excuse, none. And so he should be accused. And for your own mental health, you should forgive them because you don't need to be carrying that. Okay, so for this talk, I'm going to concentrate on parents. Sometimes this is pretty easy. Often it is not. Children usually assume they deserve to be treated as they are being treated. So they make excuses for siblings or parents' behavior. <coughs> I talked with one person who had trapped some dirt into the house. Not a lot of dirt, but there was some. Mom was so enraged that she rubbed the child's face in the rug until it was badly abraded. When the child sat down for dinner that evening, Mom said, What did you do to your face? You rubbed my face in the carpet. No, I did not. Well, if you're six years old and no one speaks up for you, what can you possibly do with that? 
So these things happen. And they're difficult. And when you can't do anything with them, you can't have a way to understand them, you don't have someone who will help you sort out that stuff, you're stuck with it until you bring it to your Heavenly Father and you're no longer stuck. We look at the parents separately. Males and females are different, and whether the child is male or female also makes a difference. So a dad and daughter is going to have a different relationship than a dad and his son. Um, We're not just talking about Western assumptions of gender here, but status and role or position and performance. So in his position as a dad, how did he perform? A father's behavior is different from a mother's in a number of ways. Um, also depending on their personalities, uh, depending on who's at home more and who they relate to um, in the home. We may also look at how they function as a team. Do they allow the kids to divide and conquer, or do they act in agreement? Also, if one is unjust, does the other take up for the child? Uh, There are two different things that we do when looking at parents. One is to look at specific incidents that were hurtful and approach them in our usual way. Accuse, choose whether you're going to forgive, confess any part that you had, and ask for forgiveness. Um, The second thing we do is look at them in the roles that they model before their children. Each parent displays three different roles. The dad is a man, a husband, and a father. The mom is a woman, a wife, and a mother. The parents are usually the most close-up view a child will get of these roles because the child watches them played out every day. So the child makes assumptions that this is what mothers do and this is what fathers do. The example um, may have been healthy or unhealthy. I particularly like going over these things before someone gets married so they have an opportunity to really look at and evaluate their expectations and assumptions of husband or wife or parent. Um, Because when we haven't ever explored those, you just look at someone like they are crazy or totally inadequate because they're not doing it how your family did it. But to have had an opportunity to look at it and kind of go, huh, well, that really wasn't very helpful anyway. And then you can actually... In taking it to your Heavenly Father, you let go of those things and maybe you'll adopt other things. We start with the role that is least familiar to the child, that of a man or, in the case of a mother, the woman. This is how a parent behaves outside the home, at work or in the community. Much of this is inferred by the child in observing how others um, treat their parent or interact with their parent. The next level is how the child sees the parent functioning as a spouse. And the third is the child's direct experience with the parent as mom or dad. This is where their expertise is, so to speak, and where you will find the most detail. It's much more effective to deal with parents in these roles than to try to evaluate them integrated in all their roles. There's kind of too much information to sort through. When they are broken out like this, it's much clearer, and the child can see that their parent may have been a very poor model in one aspect of their life while excelling in another. And by taking this to your Heavenly Father and getting a better view of their parent in 3D, so to speak, um, 
you can find peace with a lot of the things that occurred um, in your childhood. So when we are talking about a father as a man, how he relates to others outside the home, um, is he a hard worker? Is he fair? Does he hear opinions that are different from his? Can he disagree with others respectfully? Does he have friends? Is he a loner? Is he optimistic or does he feel life is unfair and difficult? Is he kind in how he speaks of others? Is he judgmental? Is he relationally or spiritually deep? Or not? Do you feel like you kind of are poking at a shadow and never really get to the, the real dad? Is he well-groomed? Does he enjoy being a man? Does he express his emotions appropriately? Or is he likely to go from one extreme to another extreme? Um, or or express himself very over the top when that's not really what the situation is calling for? Is he able to admit fault or show weakness? Does he always need to be right? Is he satisfied with life? Is he responsible with money? Is he respected by others? Is he a leader? These are some of the things we ask to help the child see how this father, how his or her father modeled being a man. Um, this isn't the kind of thing where we really want you to sit down with a list, but it's helpful to have a little bit of a list to kind of prime the pump for your questions so that the person you're speaking with can kind of call up different aspects of this. We then need to see how this definition of a man differs from a wholesome man or a man as God might define him. If his father was a bully, does the child want to accept that behavior and, um, and that attitude for himself as a man? Or if the child is female, does she want this type of man in her husband, in her life as a husband or as the father of her children? Those are really, really good questions to ask because all of a sudden that's like, it's real and it's personal for them. It's not just, well, that was then. Because what they see in their home every day is what is normal. This is a place where a lot of people look at me and go, well, isn't that normal? And I say to them, Apparently it was at your house because that's what happened every day. But what we want is healthy behavior, godly behavior, loving behavior. And this particular thing we're talking about is not any of these. And it, it usually kind of sets them back a little bit to kind of go, I never thought about it that way. Because we don't. What's normal is just normal and we don't question it. So resolution comes as we lead the child in accusing and forgiving his father for his poor modeling as a man, or if the model was a good one, to thank God for the model that the father lived out. The child, whether male or female, evaluates his own definition of a man that has come out of the father's model. If the child does not uh, condemn or reject the wrong and unhealthy behavior, he or she is in fact condoning it and allowing such behavior for themselves. Sin is involved because of the harmful effects the model had on the son or daughter. In most cases, we are not talking about a totally evil man, but we want the child to be able to accept the good and healthy performance and reject the bad, and ask God to break the power in his or her life. 
Once the accusing and forgiving has taken place, the child needs to consider how he has lived out the model in their own life. This creates grounds for confession and receiving forgiveness. For instance, by accepting the father's unhealthy model of a man, the child may have um, devised a judgment that they put on all men, thus placing a judgment on men who do not deserve it. I note the qualities the child has described, and then I ask if there are any qualities that they want to keep or if there's any that they want to reject. The reject qualities are accusations, and then you choose they choose whether to forgive the parent. Are there any of these qualities in your own life? That's the confession. And then you ask for forgiveness. Tell the Heavenly Father you reject these qualities that you just accused. Um, and ask them, ask him to break the power that they've had in your life so that you actually are free from them. Then there's an opportunity to ask God's blessing over the parent and or to thank him for specific qualities that were modeled. This is really helpful for people who have loved their parents because they get the opportunity to end on a high note and remember the good things. Um, some people will get partway through the list on their mother or father, and they'll go, but I, but I love her. And I go, that's okay, we're just getting rid of the junk. You can still love her. Um, and that's really important. So for them to say, I reject the bad temper that she had because it's not appropriate to spew all over people. I reject her unfairness in the way she treated us as her children. I reject these things. She's not necessarily rejecting her mother, although she may come to a point where she wants to do that. But um, she is rejecting these, these qualities and these pieces of the model. And then she can look at the things that mom blessed her with and thank God for those. So, as I was just talking, um, I was using the dad as an example for why we do all of these things. Um, so we were talking about dad as a man, and we were talking about the general way that we explore these things. Now I'm going to talk about the father as a husband. Um, The role of this is based on the father's behavior towards his wife, which is usually the child's mother. Based on this behavior, is a husband kind to his wife? Is he considerate? Does he show affection physically, with words, with gestures? Does a husband show appreciation to the wife? Is a husband helpful, controlling, respectful? Is a husband fearful of his wife? Um, I know Connie and Richard have um, talked with people who had that in the case, and I did as well. Um, and the impact was more on the kids as a father who wasn't there to intervene for them. And he essentially sacrificed his children for his own comfort. So he would fade into the woodwork when mom was on a rampage. The kids would get the brunt of it, and they had no help and no support. 
But just like people you talk to will slide from husband to dad, I just did husband to dad. So you have to be ready to redirect them. Okay, we're talking about your dad is a husband now. So let's go back to that part. So I will. Um, how does a husband define submission? And has that been an issue? And um, what impact has it had on his wife and others in the family? Does he allow the wife to have opinions? Can she disagree with him safely? Would a wife say that her husband is a blessing? Is the husband a provider? Is he trustworthy? Is he faithful? Or is he a dangerous, angry husband? Those just give you an idea of some of the kinds of things to ask. The daughter may expect this same behavior from the man that she marries. She may hesitate to marry because of what she's seen in her home. Or go into marriage with a distorted view of the husband's role. On the other hand... um, Connie and Richard talk about two generations of a family that had um, a husband model was wholesome and supportive and they completely anticipate that model will carry on into the third generation. So um, it's really worth getting rid of this stuff so that the things you pass on are going to be healthy and wholesome. It's not enough to accuse and forgive the poor modeling The child must also reject those unhealthy parts of the model as something that he or she wants in their life. And we have to tell our Heavenly Father that I reject these qualities, and then you can list them. So now we're going to talk about the father as a father. This relationship is the most emotionally charged one for a child. And so we have to, as safe others, ask a fair number of questions to kind of bring out these the different qualities where they can say, no, he never did that, which may be a good thing or maybe not a good thing, depending on what quality you've asked about. Um, often when a parent does not show love and affirmation, the child will assume that this is because he or she doesn't deserve it. Often, the poor model is not one of doing, but of not doing. (coughs) Excuse me. When omission brings harm or a wrong message, then it is sin. Possible questions. As your father modeled it, is a father affectionate? Is he loving? How is this shown? Is he fair? Is he affirming and encouraging? Is he verbally abusive, physically abusive? If there were brothers or sisters, did he show favoritism? Is a father spiritual? Is he comfortable talking about that? Was he interested in your schooling and what your interests are? If you're interested in playing hockey, is he interested in skating with you and showing you techniques or, you know, depends on his skill and interests as well. Because of your father, was your home safe? Was he unpredictable? Was everyone walking around on eggshells hoping that 
dad was in an okay mood. Does a father ever say that he's sorry? Or does he show tender emotions? Did your father ever call you names? Or make negative statements about you? Those are words of power which we are going to be talking about. Um, And sometimes the statements or names can be positive ones. And it kind of depends on whether it's realistic or not. Um, Maybe he's determined that you're going to be president, but you don't have any interest in being president, but you feel a lot of pressure towards being president. Well, you need to be relieved of that. Uh, One question to ask later as you explore these things was, if God had control of your father's life so he was the perfect father... That's a great idea. What would your dad have done differently? And it it just gives another way of thinking about it. It's a little bit more removed than dad shoulda, woulda, coulda. But you'd say, well, the perfect dad would have done this or this or this. <coughs> and then you know what um, that ch- what the omissions were that that child really longed for. Another question is, based on your father's model, how has this affected your behavior towards your own children? Or, if it's a daughter, how has this model affected your expectation for your husband as a father? How has your father's model affected your definition and expectations about your heavenly father? And this is a really big deal. Um, I've talked to a number of people whose dads were present, but really, really busy. So the time they had to connect with their dads was pretty fleeting. Um, And so when they became believers, their assumption was that, I mean, look at how many people there are in the world now, much less in the history of the world. God is extremely busy. I have a friend who says, no, when I pray, I'm leaving my prayers on voicemail. I I don't actually talk to him face to face because he's busy like dad was. And um, she knows that he'll provide for her. She knows that he wants to hear her voicemail message. And he knows that he is committed and loving to her. But she doesn't expect it to be that in-the-moment sort of thing. So she does her prayer, she closes it out, and she waits for God to listen to messages. That's not really quite the same as looking him in the face and saying, I don't know what to do about this. Help me, Father. Give me ideas. So... um, A lot of people who have had a father that was difficult to relate to will look only at Jesus. Jesus is God. That's who they pray to. That's who they think about. That's who they, and God the Father is just too scary to contemplate because he's a father. And that's what fathers are like. So you find out so much through these questions. Um, So now you can start looking at what did 
my father do to me? So, um, and those will be the incidents. Maybe you will take care of some of these before you start looking at the father as a father. Maybe you'll do it alongside or at the end of it. But at any rate, when there have been stories that are particularly painful for the child having to do with the relationship with this parent, they do need to be able to accuse them of that situation and the things that occurred in there and the fallout from that. Maybe when they're looking at him as a man and they see that his behavior outside the house was very different than behavior inside the house, maybe they'll want to use the word hypocrite. Maybe they will, maybe not. But it's um, very damaging for a child to be able to see that their parent is um, one thing outside the house where everyone admires them and feels that they're a deeply committed Christian and they're so charitable and they're so willing to help anyone, but they come inside the house and the front door closes and all of a sudden hell breaks loose. That's that's really damaging. Um, because all those other people get love and they get the best of the parent, but the child who belongs to the parent gets none of it. Okay, let's um, break a little bit and talk about the mother. Again, three roles. Mother as a woman, mother as a wife, and mother as a mother. Most of the things that we talk about in the process of dealing with the father, excuse me, we can repeat here and vice versa. So the mother as a woman, how does she present herself outside the home or to others besides her family? How would the child define what a woman is based on her behavior? (coughs) Is a woman proud of being female? Does she dress well or not? Is she friendly and outgoing? Do people like being around in her? Around her? Um, do they confide in her? Is she woman? Is she caring and compassionate to others? Does she have opinions and does she express them openly? Is she extremely opinion and dogmatic? Opinionated and dogmatic? Does a woman, as modeled by your mother, display her emotions easily? I know one family that had all sons, so the mother was the only female in the family, and she took that as a point of privilege. So everybody could plan um, on and agree on the family is going to have an outing and do this, and at the last minute mom can say, no, not doing it, not going, whatever. And everybody goes, but wait. She goes, I'm a girl, I get to. So those sons grew up and expected their wives to act like that, which frankly deeply offended at least one of their wives. Excuse me? (laughs) So he went, well, I thought all girls were like that. I would have said, you're not talking to a girl, you're talking to a woman. But I don't remember what she said. But at any rate, he kind of had to do a little thinking about that. Um, and which was a really good thing. 
Um, based on the mother's model as a woman, would you say she felt blessed or cursed to be a woman? Is there a disadvantage to being a woman as she modeled it? And then there's the mother as a wife. This is how the child would say this is what a wife is like based on his or her mother's performance as she related to her own husband, which is usually the child's father. Does a wife receive appreciation for what she does? Is there an expectation that she will do all the cooking, housework, and other work around the home if she works outside the home as well? Can a wife voice her opinion? Do a man and wife fight a lot? What is the wife's place as opposed to the husband's place? So how have they broken up the caring for the household roles? Does she cook and wash dishes and do inside the house? Does he do lawn and washing the car and taking care of the car and all of that kind of stuff? Now, any couple is going to decide how those roles break out. And hopefully they do it <coughs> Excuse me, so that um, it leans towards each individual's, the husband's or the wife's, skill set. So if the man enjoys cooking and is a good cook, why not let him do the cooking? Maybe she'll do the grocery shopping for him or maybe she likes to fix stuff. So then they work it out how it is so they can both be content. Or maybe they both do all things. <sighs> is it a burden to be a wife? Is it a blessing to be a wife? Or is it all just duty? Can a wife expand and use her talents outside the home? Can the wife make independent decisions when it comes to buying things? Is she submissive? And if so, in what ways? Is a wife a partner with her husband? And that's the other side of the submission discussion, the partnering. Um, a lot of people, when they're talking about submission, are talking of lesser value, and that is inappropriate. That's all I'm going to say there. Um, does a wife nag? Is she pretty happy with life? Is she affectionate and does she show it to her husband? Is she physical? Does she walk by him and touch his arm or his shoulder? Does she give him a hug in front of anybody, in front of the kids? That's what I'm thinking of. Um, based on her model as a wife, would you as a daughter want to be a wife? Um, based on her model, would you as a son want a wife who behaves as she does? And it's being able to look at these, these things that frees the person you're talking to to say, oh, I want to make a different choice instead of marrying their toxic mother or their toxic father. Now, mother as a mother, is she affectionate? Does she show her love physically and verbally? Um, is a mother fair when she meets out discipline? Is she gentle and kind? Does she pay attention to you? Or is she too busy? Does a mother affirm her child? Does she help with schoolwork or attend functions and kind of validate your membership in the family and that she's behind you? Does a mother make the home safe or unsafe? How? 
I talked to uh, one guy whose mother was one of those people who, outside the home, she just looked like perfection. She worked really hard to look like perfection, but when she came inside, if she was unhappy, she was violent. She and and if her children went to their room and closed the door so they could be like out of the way she would tear the door off the hinges and then she would start breaking his possessions because she was unhappy and she wanted everybody to participate in that um that's not nurturing that's the nicest thing i can say about it um so is she predictable when you look at this lady's behavior, she was very predictable. You just didn't know when it was going to get set off. But you knew that when the switch flipped, it was going to be horrible. Um, is she moody, angry, self-absorbed? Does she do special things for her child? Does she protect the child? Does she see the child is dressed and fed? Um does she ever call you names, good or bad? Does she make statements about you or to you, good or bad? Again, those are words of power. The child needs to accuse the mother for any bad modeling and also they need to reject that bad model in his or her own life. Like the son I um, talked to whose mom would go off intermittently and really quite frequently like a rocket, um, he needed to be able to reject those qualities so that when he chose a mate, he wouldn't be choosing someone with those qualities because it was normal. The Heavenly Father is both father and mother to his children. Based on your mother's model as a mother, how has this affected your view of God as being gentle, kind, and nurturing? I think that men are also nurturing, and I think their nurturing tends to be a little different than women's, but it is extremely powerful. Um, I have a bookmark at home that says, Nothing is as tender as true strength. And nothing is as strong as tenderness. And I always think of that when I think of a man, um, the way God intended them to be. Um, it is not strong to be a bully. It is not strong to be violent. The strength is in maintaining and making sure that things are done well or done right um, and standing up for those who aren't allowed to stand up for themselves um, anyway um, so as you do this prayer session about parents taking one parent and then the other parent um, it always needs to be in those three parts because you have different aspects and and it allows the child to see their parent in different ways 
and in fact find out what some of their strengths are that they might not have noticed because they really didn't see dad functioning as a man in the community all that much because they saw him at home. Um, or they didn't really see what kind of a husband he was because they were busy relating to him as a dad, of course. Siblings and others, um, you may, you will, of course, deal with any issues that are left between siblings that haven't been resolved. Some of the siblings will have acted as a parent because of perhaps the absence of a parent through death or illness or other reasons or divorce and the person just wasn't there. Um, and so you may look at them in that role. Also, grandparents, aunts, or uncles, depending on how much they were involved in the home. So if a grandparent was living with this child as they grew up and was a significant part of the upbringing and had a close relationship with them, maybe you would look at that or maybe you would just look at grandma as grandma and and talk about their relationship and see if there's anything that needs to be brought to resolution or not. So um, those are uh, the issues that we look at when we're dealing with families. As you can see, they are gifts that keep on giving because we carry this stuff with us until we bring it to our Heavenly Father and ask. We accuse and forgive. We confess and we ask for forgiveness. We ask our Heavenly Father. We re- we re- boy, we reject bad behavior and bad models and we ask God to break the power and the influence that those have had on us so that we can have a healthier model and walk in truth. It's an extraordinary thing to go through this with somebody and it's very exciting to see them leave a whole lot of trash behind. So uh, that's the talk about families and um we will do a breakout session where we'll be glad to entertain questions and answer things that may have come up and not really, that we only addressed in a small way. So thank you very much.